Hey, thanks as always for listening. In this episode, Chris and I are going to take a detailed look at Modifius' new system reference document for the 2D20 system. Here's a spoiler. We think it's great. Great for a lot of different things for both players and GMs. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. We are recording. Hello, Chris. Hello. Got any gaming in the last week? Uh, I did. We played the Legend of the Five Rings uh, beginner box or whatever Wait, they call let me it. back up a little. So you really, truly have jettisoned your, your Vampire 5th Edition. Like, you did all that build-up and you played one session. Uh, I mean, we, we well, we our session zero was pretty big because we, like, created the characters and act, as creating the character did this whole relationship map, which I yeah. was on a... a Four, no, what's we A four, three, an A two pad of paper. So like, there was a lot of information on that. Um, but like I said, I don't know if we put it into the record or not. When I came to actually then do that first session, because I talked to people online and they were like, "Yeah, some of the adventures aren't great. Do it sandbox." And I was like, "Okay, I'll do it sandbox. I can use the relationship map." Right. And the stuff from the relationship map and the the set sort of like the tiny two encounters we did in like a session zero gave me stuff for one session. And then after that, I was like, yeah, I just don't really know what, to, I just, it's not my thing. You yeah. know, if I've, I've sandboxed, I can sandbox like a fantasy thing because, you know, there might just be a bunch of adventures that are happening or, you know, there's big threats that are going on or like I sandboxed our Fallout game because they came out of a vault and then their stuff happened. And, you know, I literally played it like the computer game where there might as well have been characters with exclamation marks above their head that they walked up to. And I've got a quest for you. Um, that kind of stuff, you know, or my survival type thing, that's that's fine to sandbox. But, yeah, I just don't really have the idea, like the vampire stuff, all the politics and all that kind of stuff. I just didn't really know what to do with. So it was like, yeah, we played it. It was it was all right. We quite enjoyed it. I just didn't really know where to go with it. And it's then hard. Like yeah. political intrigue and interpersonal intrigue and conflict, social conflict in a sandbox, if that's supposed to be the majority share of the the storytelling mode, that's really hard. You you need people, you need you need more active players who are going yeah. to show up with agendas and show up with a little, I mean, I guess a desire to be like, no, no, I want to get in there and tell part of the story. It's like you almost need like a table of GMs to yeah, do I that. Think yeah, I think you either need a lot more players, or I think the other thing is the, the players really need to be much higher level because like in Vampire, the people that are running the city are, you know, they're like meant to be super powerful, much higher generation characters. And then if your characters aren't, what it kind of like, you know, the idea that it's set up is, well, you know, the prince could just kill you with a snap of their fingers. The, the politicking doesn't quite work there because you're not on their level. They could just have you killed really easily. So then I was like, this doesn't, you know, this seems a bit weird. So in Instead, you figure though they'll send you on a, you know, they'll give you something to do. But then trying to think of missions for vampires to do is a bit like, no, I haven't really got a clue here. So, um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, other than having like, you know, there's some people that came after them, and there were some sort of like plot threads there. I, I was like, I, I can't even bother to try and spend time thinking of what to do when there's other things that. I mean, it's kind of like what I did the year I literally just we we had a one part of COVID where we just played nothing but one-offs, and so it's yeah. like that. I'm quite, I don't mind doing that. 
playing it. I mean, it's better when we're doing one-offs. Like we played Legend of Fire Rings. I we I literally I read through it and went right. Here's the starter characters. They both picked a starter character each, and we ran through the thing that's in the box. And we played that, and then we're going to play another session this week because Fantasy Flight released a, a second adventure that follows on from the beginner box. So how was it? Um, yeah, it was good. The, there were some weird bits about the the funny dice are a lot easier to handle than in Star Wars and and uh, and Genesis because both of those have six different symbols on them. Yeah. And they have like loads of different dice. So one of the things I always found a pain there is you're like you're counting up. I mean, actually using the app makes it so much easier, but you've got to count in like though both those you're counting like successes and fails and advantages and disadvantages, and then like critical successes and critical fails. Whereas this only has successes, um, critical successes, which basically counts as success, and then you pick up another dice and throw it in. Uh, and then this thing called strife, which is kind of like your character getting overly emotional and stressed out. And if your strife gets too high, you basically have to like, you know, you wig out, which you're not meant to do because you're a samurai and you have to keep your thing on. Um, so that, you know, it, that worked, that it was a lot easier to deal with because you've only got two kinds of dice and, and that's it. So compared to Genesis and Star Wars, where sometimes all the different dice is a bit fiddly and counting all the different symbols, you know, it works really well. It means you can have a success, but with a disadvantage. It works well, but it's fiddly. This wasn't fiddly because it was literally they roll the dice and go, okay, I've got this many successes. Oh, but I've gained this much strife. And that was it. So it was super, it runs super quickly. And the strife thing worked well because kind of like they were taking the, you know, they were getting these good rolls, but then it meant their characters were getting a bit over the top. So Scott had to keep like laughing maniacally or something, which was then plunging his honor or glory or whatever down because he was acting like a lunatic. Um, so yeah, it, it was, uh, it was good. Good. And the, the adventure was pretty, I think they've basically taken an adventure they've used in other, like almost in every other edition and then just updated it for new. Um, so yeah, it was, it was good fun. It was, I mean, it was good enough that we're planning on running for another thing. I was a bit, um, I was a bit put off when I went onto the the Reddit group for it and kind of just asked a few random questions that I didn't know. So I think I asked, uh, are, are there non-human races and, you know, can you have like the, the Bushi characters, so like the martial samurais, can they do like sort of mystic attacks um and like you know oh I, I i find all the you know there's all these rules that in in world rules that the characters have to play by like you know how you greet someone and how you apologize and all these things which i've always felt that's what's always put me off in the past i was like it's interesting but i don't want to go into too much detail because i'm not gonna remember it my players aren't gonna remember it and a bunch of people were like yeah yeah you know they're cool about it. and there was one guy who was like no you can't play with non-humans that's a totally different thing and why do you even want to play this setting? Why don't you go and just play something completely different? I was like, dude, I was like, just, I didn't bother replying. I was like, I literally, I'm just asking the question because I genuinely don't know. Go back under your bridge. Yeah. Go back like, under your bridge, chill know. out, quit being a gatekeeper of that all was this it. up crap. Yeah, that was exactly my thought. I was like, right, I can accuse this guy. Well, it's not even accusing he was being a gatekeeper. And I was like, it doesn't matter. I was like, at the end of the day, I know that if I want to add this stuff into it, I can. The question I was asking is, is this stuff even in the setting? Because I genuinely didn't know. It's like one of the counters that come, because when you, these starter boxes, you always get those counters. And one of the counters looks like a sort of Kenku, Tengu type guy. And I was like, oh, maybe they're, maybe they're actually people in the world like that, um, which is why I was asking. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Good. So yeah, how about you? Well, we, um, we have, I mean, this, this always seems to happen in summer. Uh, you just have tumult and uh and yeah. chaos in scheduling for groups and so we uh 
we have a one of our players is is sick and has had some like scheduling issues of late anyway and so we just and then my my buddy who had been running pathfinder is having trouble he's he's has a medical condition he's having trouble with his eyes and so he's having yes it's it's he's having trouble reading for long periods of time and he's like i can't prep and so he asked if i could step in and run something else and i was like okay and so I, I opened up my big metal double-doored locker of games that's in my garage, and I got voted to, to run Vampire the Masquerade, which is <laughs> funny um, because two of the three players who were there had never played it before. And I was like, okay, cool. So we made characters, and we have started uh, like a preparatory session via Discord, and we're going to play in person this, uh, this Saturday night. It's set in, inspired by you, Las Vegas. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so that's what we're uh, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do that for a couple of weeks, and then see how he is, uh, and then just see how how things are. And the other player, hopefully, he gets better, and his schedule works itself out, and stuff like that. So he comes back. So yeah, it was good. It was actually it was it was it was fun. Uh, we'll see how it, that goes. I'm gonna have to listen to lots of Nine Inch Nails and The Cure and uh machines of loving grace and stuff like that get in the right mood um but today i'm so happy today is srd day i know it was like it seemed well i remember there would be about two or three years where nathan would be like well look there is an sid but i'm not allowed to work on it or release it and it's not going to happen and people just kept asking yeah and then obviously earlier this year they said yeah that's if i wasn't it was whenever they had. It was whenever they had that one-hour countdown. Don't remind me. Do not remind me. We are. That does not exist. That is not. That thing is not part of my agenda. I am not. It is. That does la la la. That does not exist. It was funny because they had they, they did that whole countdown for an hour, and at the end of it, it was literally just a thing that said Cohorts Cthulhu, which we already knew was coming yep. out. Yeah. Um. And oh. and during that, Chris said, "Oh yeah, there's a there's a two D twenty SID." And that's what that was via Discord. And that was the big I for me, that was the big news. Yeah. Um, so I downloaded the thing. Uh, if you have not yet downloaded it, uh, the link that I got it from, it's eight separate uh, documents, um, actually eight separate Word documents. One of them is chapter zero, and then there's chapters one through seven. I think I don't because someone said this, but I don't know if it's true or not. Someone said that it is there is an S, there's a PDF. Yeah, there is. So on Drive Through RPG, there is a 2D20 system reference document on uh on Drive Through. Ah, okay. but that says it's a zip file. So that may still be well. All I did document. was I just I just took all the Word documents, I combined them into one, and then I exported it as a PDF. So it's 213 pages is the whole thing. Um and we want to talk about some of the highlights. And I'll put links. I'll put links in the notes to the drive-through thing and directly to Modifius. Modifius is probably easier. It's just downloaded out of their Google Drive. Yeah, that is easy. Um, I don't know if they would have an issue with me sharing around my combined copy of it, so I won't. I'll ask, whatever. But, um, yeah, it's 213 pages, covers all aspects of the system in general, and we're not going to go through it in a, with a fine-tooth comb because, as you said in our a few moments ago, we'd we'd be doing this for several episodes. 
<laughs> but um, let's talk about the highlights. Let's maybe do a quick overview and then talk about the, the, the pieces of it that jump out at us at, jump out at us most and what do we think we're going to do with it, each of us, in the, in the short term. Well, that's almost a whole episode in its own thing. It, we'll you're see. right. Okay, so let's not do that. Well, if we start, if we get into it and it starts going too long, we might have to cut it in two and then yeah. we've got two episodes. Um, I mean, they basically, they have split the, they have split it into different chapters, which are chapters based on exactly what you'd have in a book. We have a core rules chapter, which explains how the basic rules of the game. We have a character section. We have an action and conflict section, equipment, adversaries and NPCs, games master. So that's kind of exactly what we'd expect in all these core books. The one difference here is they have this additional rules thing they chucked at the end for the kind of stuff where it's, um, here's stuff you might need in certain yeah. 2d20 games which we've taken out of one of our games i mean the, the general kind of thing is it if they've basically gone right here here is like a standard 2d20 system but in every single case they've gone but here's something you can do different here's something you can do different um i mean it's not a million miles away from kind of how i did my sort of when i wrote my 2d20 mod thing like a, over a year ago um like I've said to you, the, the thing that drives my mind, the most recent SID I've read is, so for example, if you, if any of people have read the D&D &D or like a Pathfinder SID, that is like, the thing is, that's a collection of rules. These are the standard rules of the game. You can copy this text. And then you've got like the Mutant New Zero one I've read where they've kind of gone, well, here's different ways of doing these different sections. And actually this reminded me quite similarly to the Cortex Prime, which is of course meant to be a toolkit but it's presented in such a way every single section of here's a bunch of options and it's right. not very clear which combination options would work or when you should do it. But actually I think overall, I mean, this is really to say this at the end, but they kind of all the way through go, right, well, here's, here's your standard, but here's something different you can do. Um, and it's presented really, really well. The, the bit I am curious about, and I don't think it clearly explains it, if you want to use this in your own product is you know, so can you cut and paste from this straight into your thing? Well, something that the uh, the that via modifius thing and the this drive through RV, RPG style storefront that whole arrangement that's forthcoming. All the details yeah. about that I think are are supposed to be out in the next like few months or something like that. That's my guess. So I think we'll get all the details about use of the SRD outside of your home table. Yeah, uh, we'll get that then. Uh, yeah, I I think that. It's, I think it's really well organized. Mm. Uh, the chapters are exactly what you would expect them to be. The core rules, I mean, the section on the core rules is is quite short, uh, as a matter of fact. I mean, the core rules by itself is just 22 pages. Um, and, and the nice thing is, like you said, they provide, here's the standard, and it's very much like Octun Cthulhu. I mean, there are some little differences, but it feels very much like Octun Cthulhu in terms of the rules themselves. Character creation feels more like uh, a little more towards Star Trek Adventures because it's the six and the six, the six attributes and the six skills and their broad spectrum. But what I like is that it's like, here's the standard, and then with that standard within each chapter, you have several different examples of other things you might do with it, other approaches, including approaches, as a matter of fact. And what I like about this is that you don't only get the option, but you also get, there's, 
and sometimes it's explicit and sometimes I think I just read into it by inference, but you get a good sense of why that option is what it is. Like there's a little bit of um, like designer to designer language in this. Yeah. Like for example, I never recognized the difference, the, the, the actual difference between fortune and determination and how mechanically they, they do pretty much the same thing, but you would want to use one for a certain reason and the other for another reason. One of them is more meta and more player focused. The other one is more uh, character focused. That is fortune and uh, determination in that order. Uh, and, and it was interesting, the explanation in there, I was like, oh my gosh, this absolutely makes sense to me. Um, and so I like that behind the scenes, behind the curtain kind of view that Nathan's given us that I haven't even considered what, what do I want to do with these rules or how do I want to build something my, my own? This has just been, I, I think, like a sense of kind of enlightenment or a deeper understanding of yeah. the rules of the games I'm already playing. And that's been really helpful all by itself. Yeah. All right. I think we go back and just kind of look through it. So, I mean, the, the initial document has this weird kind of just intro things where they explain things like what is momentum and threat, but without too much detail, kind of how they do it exactly in the books. Okay, so it really doesn't start till we get to, it'd be page eight of your document where we have the core rules. It's, it, we've got this thing about scenes and then it goes states into traits. Now, I found it weird this and a bit jarring because I've got very used to them calling them truths because I think like all of, since they sent it, since they started calling them truths, I think every game has been called, they've had truths. And then here they call it traits. And I was a bit thrown when I read that because I was like, is traits a new word for truths or does it mean any kind of player thing? And it's later on when you get to the character chapter, it's very clear that like, no traits do not include attributes. Um, but yeah, they go through and it's, it's, it's like super similar to what we've seen in other things. But again, actually, I think we, we get more text here on traits than we probably do in, on the truths in some other games because we get, we get the bit about the permissions and difficulties, like it raises and lowers the difficulties or makes something possible and impossible. But then we also get kind of a thing about how a trait can be a location, a situation or a person. And this isn't, you know, this is in decent detail. Um, and then we get rules on what tasks and skill tests, which we're used to. But again, so we've and got actually, rules in let me, here. Let me jump in. Let me jump oh. in on that. Your, your tasks and your skill tests, that whole section is, I, I found that to be very clear. Yeah. And very to the point. As a matter of fact, um, and, and this represents, I think, like a continued evolution by their, their writers, that they're getting better at explaining a system that it's like, I find 2D20 to be... It's coherent and it makes it makes perfect sense once you understand it. It is not difficult to understand, but there's some are some parts of it if you are steeped in traditional D20 games that might seem a little counterintuitive on the front end or might be a little bit confusing on the front end. And they've not always described how the system functions all that well. They do it very well here. Yeah. And what I find funny here is that it isn't just this is the basic rules. We've got things like like GM advice. We've got things like the the no but, and that like you know whether you should. We've got this whole thing about yes, no, and maybe before the players enroll and what's at stake. This is this is like GM advice and how you should play a game in an SRD. An SRD normally just here's the rules, here's our basic rules. Use them as you will. This actually goes into you know like literally essentially if you were to take if you wanted to write your own two D twenty game, and you're allowed to because we don't know take this text and just drop it straight into your version of the game. Okay, your version of the game, which is, you know, ends up being 200 pages. Um, but the text is there. 
you don't need to then add extra stuff because they've you know maybe you want to add some examples but it's you know they've done such a good job of explaining it. and this really did throw me like i said i come back to cortex prime that this is explaining really well how you should run this system this is an srd this isn't this isn't a document this didn't need kickstarting or putting in a fancy book um and yet yeah well there we go it's um, fascinating i can i can see where if this is if this is or is a form of their internal system bible yeah i can see where this is you know i can see where all the systems come out of this yeah i can see where by the time you're done with the thing especially by the time you end you you finish that uh, that last chapter additional rules i can see where dune fits in with this or fits in this i can see where infinity fits in this yeah uh, it it this is like the um this is like the patient zero of the system but yeah you're right it's it's way more than just a list of rules there's yeah. a lot of extra commentary and it's woven throughout well, so i'm on page 15 here and there are two it's funny because they've put sidebars in but of course the sidebars aren't sidebars but i Not guess yet, yeah they've done them as if you were going to put it into your own document that would be a sidebar um and we see we've got one on here and setting difficulties and actually you know this is stuff we haven't really seen I mean, to be fair, maybe I just skip the GM sections of that, but I look for what's in there, but I don't read the detail. Um, and then we've got a thing here on, on, on narrative permission, which is like, huh. Uh, look, I think that this reflects, this seems to me to be evidence of them having learned from how they've explained things. Yeah. So regardless of what 2D20 system you're playing or running, uh, if you have zero intention of ever coming up with your own system or house ruling anything, read this and you'll you'll make more sense. You'll understand the system better. Yeah. Uh, so we've got so basically we've got all the stuff on tests, all the stuff you're used to seeing on tests. You know, nothing different. We've got the rules on teamwork and assistance, momentum, threat, which are all the same. How to spend momentum? How yep. to, this is just the basics. I don't think it goes into the extra things here. Things to do with threat, and then like you said, we've got the thing about fortune versus determination which basically what you can spend it for is very similar yeah but we've got this difference in how it is earned and also how determination is related to character advancement if you want to loosely yeah. call it that it's a and it's a fascinating distinction because depending on the game you want to run if you're going to create your own thing one of these might fit into your your vision better than the other yeah, I mean, kind of essentially seems to say here that if you're using values or drives, then you should be using determination yep. because you sort of challenge those or use your drives and values to, to get extra determination. And then we've got a sidebar on recovering those values. Um, since I utterly hate values. <laughs> now, do you hate uh, values or do you hate drives? I, so for the same thing, because okay. it's, it's the whole thing about the, you know, when... I don't know if it goes well i guess when we come to it in the character thing we need to look at you know when should you use one but kind of you know it, you have skills skills and attributes are telling you how good you are at something yeah and then you have you know so like you know that's kind of the what 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 are you doing directly relates to your skills and attributes and then you have why are you doing it which is which is values and you have how are you doing it which is like approaches now approaches for me don't mind because there are certain things like you know you can't boldly sneak into a building you yeah. can't you know carefully smash a thing to pieces there's certain things you have to do in a certain way whereas the problem i always have with values which i've said quite a few times now 
it is that characters can always do the same thing. You know, like we said, yeah. in a superhero game, my character goes, I'm going to use justice. And, you know, the GM's like, you use justice 10 times this session. Yes, but I am for justice. And you're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's the same kind of, you know, you can, you're always... In a character where there's lots of interplay, so like when I first saw this in Smallville, it was fine because you were in love with certain characters and you were trying to find the truth here. And then this was about duty because you were having to do something for your family. And that, so then it worked. But on a standard like, like I've seen it in, in Dragon Prince, where it's a standard sort of D&D setup, you can basically just always fall back on the same ability yeah. almost all the time. So you just go for your best one. So I, I'm not keen on values. Um, and then drives is pretty similar. Well, it's, um, it's nice that the, you know, the, the, the standard version of characters, character creation, actually, if you skip to page like yeah, we'll 40, because nothing else uh, 40 of the, my combined document on, um, like I said, it's very much, it's very similar to Star Trek adventures. Um, the characters, how they're statted out, but go to page 43, 42 character variants. This is where I think it, it gets really interesting. Um, talk about fewer uh, or more attributes. And there's some commentary in there about like, well, this is maybe the advantage or disadvantage to it, or not so much advantage, disadvantage, more like um, this is how, if you decide to go with fewer attributes, this is how it could affect your game. This is where it could work or maybe not work so well. And it's the same thing if you wanted to go for more attributes, seven attributes, eight attributes, uh, different attributes entirely. And there are several pages, I'm very happy with this, several pages of alternate attribute ideas, alternate skills, expanded lists, so on and so forth. And all of it with this very concise, to the point, commentary about, well, how might this affect your game? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you are thinking about taking an existing property, we've talked about modifications and hacks plenty of times and, and you want to use 2D20 like this is going to be right up your alley because not only do you have options, but you have lots of explanation about uh, why and where you might want to use one. And also what I like is these are not commented on in isolation from one another. Many of the other ones, at least from from their viewpoint, if they interact with each other, that's explicitly mentioned. Hey, if you if you end up using this in place of the standard, you might want to consider this other issue as well mm. within the rules or, or character creation. I think that's uh, that's valuable. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to make a if you're trying to make a modification that you feel like is coherent, because it is interesting. They, they give us a standard. They give us a standard, like you said. They give us six and six. So our six attributes are agility, brawn, coordination, insight, reason, will. So kind of, we can see like yeah, we've seen those in a bunch of games now. The skills one is interesting because we haven't had one that because like this doesn't quite work with um uh with what uh, it's not quite like start, i mean i think this might be close to dishonored because we've got fight no move operate survive talk i think that's probably close to the six we have in dishonored now that was the first thing that jumped out me was like whoa your basic is only six skills but then we have this really cool section where they basically say well here's how you can break it down so we have this table where it shows right if you only have these six basic ones but now you can break Here's how you could break those down. So fight breaks into two and move breaks into four different things and no breaks into a bunch of things and talk does and survive does. So there's only five basic skills in that table. So which skill's missing? Oh, I think it's operate. So operate isn't in there. They must have combined that with me. Or there's a mistake and operate should actually be included in pilot. Oh, I wonder. Anyway, 
Um, so then we have this thing of where kind of your basic thing only has five skills and then your next breakdown would have sort of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. That's already way beyond what, uh, you know, like say Acting Cthulhu has. And then they- Yeah, that's moving back toward like Conan yeah, or Infinity. And then they break that down even further if you want to, which should be excessive. But if you're going into, like you said in Traveler, you wish there was more skills, so- kind of you know there's, there's your although it's not that's not really a good list for a sci-fi game but it's giving you a really good idea of how you can have like different skill lists and stuff um and then they do even go back and include the kind of stuff from 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 back in those initial games where and they've kind of said when you should do it because they're like look if you've got sort of 10 10 or less skills then focuses should be specialities but if you're close up to sort of 20 skills at that point maybe you you can't do specialities because you've got such a variety of skills then right. actually, you're so granular in the skills already yeah, then you should do it. and it actually says in there this variant the sort of the expertise and focus variant which is what we had conan and before it it literally says this variant is best used in situations where there are many different scale skills are discussed earlier so this is when you have two ratings one for expertise and one for focus so they've actually explained it they haven't just thrown it in there they're actually yep. saying in there this is when you should use it and then like you said then we've got drives and all drives or values because like i said they're basically the same thing but we get you know we get like a page on what drives could be and then we get a bunch of rules mm -hmm. about drive statements and then we get possible drive set we've got two and a half pages about how drives can be used now this again this is in an srd and this is in you know so if you add text into if you had not text if you added pictures in here and formatting this might be four or five pages right it's the additional commentary uh, and, the, and the fact that if you're familiar with, a, I mean, if you've played a few of their their games, you know, and I, I think if you've played Octon Cthulhu and you've played Star Trek, you've already got enough variety view on the system that as you see these additional options, maybe that you're not familiar with, like if you haven't read Dune, you're not familiar with it at all, there are going to be things in here that you recognize are reflections from what they did with Dune. But they, they're still going to make sense to you because you have enough system familiarity. Um, yeah, it's it's all, like I said, it's all those explanations. And what about action and conflict? It's the next chapter. So I just wanted to put out one thing on the, on the very last thing of this right. chapter. We've got these approaches, and they give us our standard approaches because, I mean, essentially they're the ones from Fate. Uh, what was this quick version of Fate called? Fate Accelerated. And then, they've, you know, there's the ones that appeared in Dishonored. But at the bottom of that, they've got this thing about the four temperaments for ancient medicine, which I've seen recently because fifth, the, no, is it fifth? Whatever the new version of Vampires uses these, this choleric, melancholic, phlegmatic, and yeah. sanguine. Those are in Vampire. And I'm yeah, like, interesting. Huh. But also then it's talking about linking these to the elements. So then I'm thinking, oh, if I was doing a, a version of essentially Legend of the Five Rings, I was like, oh, yeah, you could do that. You could take these, yep. these four elements here and have that as your approach, which actually is what, Legend of the Five Rings does. It used to be stat and skill. The new version of Legend of the Five Rings doesn't. It has a pro you have skills and you have approaches. So everything is about how you're going to do it. Um, so that's that's cool. Um, right. So yeah, the next one is action and conflict. I mean, this is mostly pretty standard, isn't it? It's yeah. It's you know, it's you roll stat and skill, and then it goes into the yeah. Minor there's actions, there's I mean the, the 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 core of it again is is it's close to Octon Cthulhu and how things are. All right. But I mean, the, the core system is, is what it is. Environment and zones, what it is. I mean, not, there's nothing, there isn't anything new here. However, there are, again, those variants, variants rather, like terrain momentum, 
you know, you, you different ways that you could mechanically interact with terrain, huh. which is is fascinating. Um, we also got reach and guard back from Conan. Yep. Although this looks like because there's not a lot in it. I wonder. I haven't read this in detail. I, I'd like to compare this to to Conan because I know when Conan came out, the reach and guard rules were very confusing. Yeah, this is actually pretty clear. I mean, I I had been confused by it. And it was one of those things at the table you always forget. Mm. Um, and you're like, oh, crap, yeah, we were like three rounds into combat. And we've completely forgotten about reaching guard. This actually makes, again, it, they've learned how to explain these things more effectively. They have different ideas for, uh, for range. I like the fact we've got the mental attacks. Yeah. Because, again, we don't, we don't have that in, that's not in every version of 2D20. No. Like some do, where you can literally, you can attack people. Like, so Conan's a really good example. It's like you can hit some with a sword, you can fire at them with a bow, or you can just scare them. Um, and Infinity did the same thing. So Infinity referred to it as Psy War, but, you know, it was a fancy word that made it sound like your characters were like, you know, Professor X, but actually it was just you were intimidating or deceiving people or something. So, and you could, you could think, defeat people that way, which was cool. Looking here, I'm on page 70 where they start talking about stress and harm. A lot of different options here for different ways yeah. to handle how much damage can you take? What happens when you take it? How much do you take, you know, under different circumstances? Um, things like fatigue and, you know, when you're defeated, I, I, I again, it's, Pretty much every different approach they've taken, they they have it explained here, and then there are some new things as well. Yeah, I mean, we see we've got the stuff about like the extra damage from the extra da damage dice you would get depending on your stat, and then things like the extra they call it resistance here, but the extra essentially health you get from having high stats again, and so you know that stuff's all we can see that from some of the earlier games, but it's. You know, it's all good stuff and lots of conflict spends. But like yeah. I said, there's, there's a huge amount of the damage, stress, and harm because they give us a basic. This is how sort of stress and harm should work, and then we go into the right. Well, here's other things. So like it says, now we're going to have extra harms and non-lethal harm, and stress threshold, and no stress, multiple types of stress. Which, if you've only played, say, Acting Cthulhu or Star Trek, you're like, well, what's all this? Because yeah. you just have the one thing. But it's like, well, yeah, well, but I've come from the initial one where. You had three lots of, oh, well, actually, no, that's not true. So Infinity had three different lots of damage because you had physical, mental, and then you essentially had the like the hacking stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing Conan only had two, unless I'm missing one. Yeah, it had, uh, it, it had a mental one. Now, looking at, I'm on page 82, and I'm looking at stealth and infiltration. Lots of information about stealth. I mean, I... I and I think that would be useful in in any game. Like that's something else too that jumped out at me when I was I reread that portion just about an hour and some ago. I see potential for taking pieces of this to add subsystems into any game you're running. Yeah, you know, if you've got if you're running a game that that doesn't have one of these and you, you wanted to flesh out more of a. Um, you know, you're you're playing Octun Cthulhu, and you wanted to flesh out more like sneaking around or Star Trek. You maybe maybe you're doing like a security and intel focused campaign. You're like agents, and you're creeping around places. There's a whole section here on stealth and infiltration and different ways to handle making it in, and and making it interesting. I think that's definitely a, a use for this. That's one thing. Just just stepping back a little bit from the details of the the SRD, I just kept thinking as I was going through this, I could I could use this to make or modify my own game 
like my own property, whatever. I could take an existing IP and two die twentyify it. I'll understand the system of whatever I'm playing more, or I can use this as a way to inform my creation of house rules or additional yeah. subsystems. Yeah, I think they've done. Every, I mean, this whole stealth section is crazy because this looks like it's a lot of it's new because Dishonored didn't go into this much detail. No. And Dishonored is like the stealthiest version. But like you said, there's there's a bunch of pages on stealth, and then after that, there's a bunch of pages on on observation. Yeah, and it's super detailed. It's like wow. And then we've got this whole bunch of stuff on morale and psychological warfare, which again hasn't existed in some versions of 2d20 but did in the yeah. ones i started with so and social conflict you could again, have so you know what you could two die 20 or five vampire yeah with detailed social conflict rules yep very easily yep so and then I, you know here's something i really dug this this jumped out at me this morning i'm on page 95 of my combined document so am I. you talk about evidence using evidence as something of a it says the counterpoint to deception is evidence offering something that provides certainty and proof of a character's claims. You like that? So I was just straight away. I was thinking of kind of like either kind of the stuff that your politicians say or our politicians say where they are saying something and they are provided with evidence right. against what they're saying. Uh, and yet somehow people still believe them. So now we know why it's because on their roles, they rolled higher on deception than the evidence role. Perhaps. Well, here, here's, what I, here's what I thought. Here's what jumped out at me reading this evidence section is that you're these each of these, I guess, call them like evidence assets or, or the use of evidence would provide you with uh, challenge dice to roll as part of an extended task, potentially in a social conflict to overcome someone else's you know someone else's position you're bringing this evidence to bear and i thought oh my gosh you know I i'm not a big fan of like the courtroom drama episode that pops up like every season of every star trek series where you take the favored character and suddenly they're accused of something horrible and their best friend has to prosecute them like every series i think there's a there's a law buried somewhere and it says you have to do that if you're star trek i don't actually find those very interesting story because they're they're just they're hackneyed they're done but if you wanted to run a courtroom drama, that's it right there. You know, you would have, as a, as a player and as a GM, you'd have this structure for incorporating evidence in a mechanical way to 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 shape the uh, the call. If you wanted to run the thing, the you know the the, the cross examination and the arguments and the closing statements. If you wanted to run that like an extended task. You have that now and also for negotiation for other things related to you know subsets or subcategories of, of social conflict that jumped out at me today i was like oh my gosh that's that's pretty neat um, yeah i think it's really good the idea when i was just looking at that though because partly because at the end of it has this thing of like if you have like really good evidence you get vicious on your damage roll so they were saying like, oh yes this would work really well for a court case where you someone like i've got my ev bam slam your evidence folder on the desk and like use it in a persuasion or to counter someone else as well. You think, wow, you could actually have a whole like lawyer thing in here yeah. just because of this little section. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Um, the equipment and tools section or chapter rather, again, very much like um, Octane Cthulhu, trivial items, minor items, major items as related to how many you can carry and not be encumbered. And then all these additional rules for how you can, you know, 
carry more, uh, maybe if you wanted to get real crunchy about how um, how does encumbrance affect you? They offer some different options. I really like the section on acquisitions and resources because different games have handled it differently. Although to yeah. my knowledge, none of their games have dipped into money. I think, I think that Fallout does. And Isn't I think that just like because, soda cap, bottle caps or yeah, something? Yeah, so I think because, because the bottle cap economy is so inbuilt into the Fallout game, if they had taken that out and gone with a more abstracted like wealth level or having to make roles for things, it would have really annoyed people. Whereas, you know, you can genuinely, you, you'll, you'll find stuff which you can then sell for bottle caps. So that's the only one. Um, I mean, that was one of the things I always found really weird about their initial three games. You had these relatively crunchy rule sets, but when it came to buying stuff, it was all on, you know, dice rolls which was just seemed really counter to like the rest of those games. I just you always think like, why can't, why don't players just have a, a, an amount of money they have and everything has a cost. And then um, I guess sometimes it, it actually works. You know, you, you can turn it into adventure having to go on an adventure to get, you know, to get a discount you know, on the thing. I think maybe so it worked, but maybe there, and I have no idea, but maybe, maybe it was an issue of this is where we want to focus mm. as in we don't, like I personally find the you know like let's go to the magic shop in in any version of D and D <laughs> tedious and like just the it's like the 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 montage shopping scene in Pretty Woman. Just, please, <laughs> I don't want to play that out. And people nickeling diming like, well, well, this is okay. I have this many coppers and this many. I don't want to deal with that. And I I like that. The focus in these games is on the action and the intrigue. It's on the story. It's not on the piddly crap and the accounting. I and agree so, with that. I think the problem was it didn't actually take the having to do it out of the game. And in some ways it weighed it worse because if you wanted to go and buy something, you now had to do a diet. You know, previously you could go, right, well, this is, I want to buy this. How much does it I have cost? X cost much. I can buy it, yeah. And if the players wanted to go and try and get a discount, then you'd be dice from it. But most of the time you could go, oh, I want to buy this, this, and this. This is what it says it costs in the player's handbook, so it costs this. In 2D20, I want to go and buy this gun. All right, well, first you have to do a, a roll to see if you can find the gun. And then you might get a discount because you've got some momentum. Now you've got to do a roll to see how much you have to pay for that. And if you don't do well, then now you have to... Re so it ended up actually, you know, yes, you didn't have to keep a track of how much money you had. And as a GM, it was easy to... You didn't have to worry about saying how much money the players got in case you threw off the economy of the game. Right. But you did then have this issue that actually it took a while to buy stuff. And if players grouped together and got an amazing role, then they could get stuff that maybe they... So it wasn't... It, it created different problems. It didn't solve... It didn't solve problems. It just created like a whole bunch of different But, I, but I think in... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the one thing you also get as well, it, if players have got an idea of how much money it is, it was much easier. You know, in D&D, &D, if you say you're going to get 100 gold pieces, the player can look at what they get for that and go, right. okay, cool. Yeah, that's a decent amount. But whereas it, when you abstract it, he's kind of like, um, yeah, how much are we getting paid for that? You're going to get a wealth level. And, you know, well, what's the wealth? And then it's it's very, so then you have to abstract that, that role-playing conversation, which gets which gets a bit weird. So it, it, there's good bits, but then there's also bad What's What's that. nice here, though, is that, again, there are lots of options. Yeah. And I think depending on what, I mean, if you were going to build your own game using this, you have lots of options and food for thought. And if you ended up coming up with your own something, I think that there's enough inspiration here that you would you would be able to, to find you know come up with something interesting. I really am, I'm happy with I'm on page 111. All the different damage effects, and there's yeah. some new ones, uh, at least new ones for me. 
I, I love the fact that these effects spread throughout all these different games. I'm seeing them all pretty much in one place. And then when you go a few pages further, all the different weapon qualities. Yeah. Uh, and again, folks, I'm sorry, the, 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 the page numbers I'm dropping is, are from the combined PDF that I created. So there is no page 112 in any of these files that you're going to get. So unless you put them all together in one file. But yeah, I'm I'm looking at this, and you know, I was thinking about um, our our talks about um, supers, and also our talks about magic. I mean, you know, if you wanted to make like a web spell or have a web power, well, you already the snare effect is is codified. It's right there. Yeah. So I'm looking at these as not only for like a, a piece of equipment, but also for other things that do things like spells um, that you would, could create. And so all this stuff's in one place. And again, very clearly described. Um, now, the vehicle yeah, is, section it, is short. Uh, the vehicle it, section, um, I was curious, like, is there going to be enough meat on these bones if I wanted to build starships? And the answer is no. Well, there you go. If you want to build starships, well, to be fair, there was no rules for building starships in Star Trek. The only place we've seen rules for building starship is Homeworld. However, is the one place. However, Star Trek does have the uh, the the different mission profiles, and then has the uh, the like the service life upgrades. So there's something there. And later this year, they're coming out with uh, Utopia Planitia Shipyard book. Oh, so that'll which, be it. Shipbuilding. I'm assuming is going to have shipbuilding rules in it, but I don't, I, I'm not, I don't care. I mean, I, I was just curious, but it's not here. If, if that has shipbuilding rules, Homeworld suddenly becomes basically worthless because at the moment, the only thing Homeworld does that nothing else does is rules for building your starships. It's a good point. <laughs> so they'll be like, yeah, you buy this book. I haven't said that. I mean, they probably cost the same price. So, uh, Well, it says Star Trek on it, so I'm, I'm, I'm duty bound to purchase it. That's one of my values, buy Star Trek stuff. <laughs> Um, uh, so then we got all the adversaries and NPCs. Again, this kind of goes into our idea of, so we've got adversaries and allies. Yeah, our types of NPCs. So they've called it now, what, incidental, minor, uh, notable. So we're, again, we've got our rules in here for fighting in groups. Yep. Um, and, and, cool. and therefore you have, there's information, there's explanation, and there's, uh, there are options for encounter design. And NPC creation, NPCs yeah. of all of all different sorts. In fact, that starts on page one thirty-five of my PDF. NPC creation, and this also we get the common NPC abilities, and this is the one that has in here, which is the one that you'd missed um, before. Is that on page one three one, you've got the extraordinary attribute thing. Yep, where you have this thing that you gain X automatic successes. So if you have extraordinary brawn one, you get a success so this is like i said this is one way you can deal with supers is to give characters extraordinary action. or some kind of like if you wanted to include something in any, in another system like you wanted to have some alien that is just in star trek that's just fundamentally stronger yeah than anybody else you, you have an easy mechanic you don't have to break the system by just saying uh you have a strength of 20. You know, this is also a good place, though, if you were trying to do superpowers, because we have things like flight and incorporeal yep. and implacable. We have this, you know, we have natural armor, night vision with scale for size. That's a so really good are, point. There are a few things in there. Like if you're thinking, where do I start with a superhero thing? Well, we've got these NPC abilities, which have always been kept to NPCs, but they are essentially 
um, you know, they're, they're essentially superpowers because they've got yeah. regeneration there as well. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point because the that last chapter, chapter seven, is the additional rules. That's where they explicitly talk some about magic and and you kind of get the direction of supers and stuff. But yeah, don't don't skip the NPC and adversaries chapter because you'll be able to pull some things out of there. You said you really dug the game mastering chapter. I was going to say one thing before we get to oh. that. I, they've actually given us NPCs, and again, yeah. this this is an SRD. Mm-hmm. It's meant to say here are the rules. But then they've given us example NPCs. So we've got one, two, three, four. I can't actually, there's loads, pages yeah. of the things. And it's like, But wow. what's nice, though, is that what they've done, okay, if, let's, say, let's say you've played one of these games, whichever one you've played, and you're, oh, yeah, that'd be really cool. I like this. I wonder what else I could do with it. So you download this thing. You, you might not be familiar with this exact version or this, this, I mean, this is like a hybrid version of this, the system, the core system anyway. And I, I like the fact that you have examples of different kinds of NPCs with different kinds of abilities and things like that. You, this was something that um, I, I didn't gripe about, but I pointed out when I was doing, when I was giving them feedback on the Octum Cthulhu player's guide and the GM's guide, especially, well, both of them, I said, you need to, uh, you need to provide more like notional examples of gameplay. And in a way, providing NPCs after providing a system for how to create NPCs and use their abilities, yeah. that in effect is that. And I find that very useful. Instead of just, here's how to do it, it's here's an example of us having done it. And that really helps me get my head around it. Yeah, zombies can do mental damage. Sure, they can. Because they but have. You, horrific... And there's also rules for extra tough zombies. Yeah, because they have horrific presence and fearsome. Yep, well, and clawing are, hands. I, I feel like there should be rules for le- like extra weak zombies because these zombies actually seem reasonably tough. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they're, they're not going down. <laughs> but you know what? Though, with all the different kinds of abilities, and you know that you've got, and you you know you can you could just tune this up or down. Yeah. So the Game Master section, you said something before we got going about the Game Master section. So again, like they have, you know, and essentially the Game Mastering section should mostly be nothing because it's an SRD. Correct. It should just be, so really it should just, here's the rules for, yeah, here's the rules for threat. But we actually get all of their kind of standard stuff. I mean, actually, maybe this is why we get this stuff in every single core book and some of this stuff is obvious, but we get, you know, the good stuff on games mastering and the how to do things and running scenes. But then we, you know, we get things here on the scene framing tricks. This doesn't appear in all of their versions. I think I've seen it in some, but not all of them. Um, And we actually, I think we get more, more explanation on things here than we get in some of the other versions, which is one of my criticisms. Is that they've been yeah, you, you said earlier that the explanation of traits or truths or whatever, whatever they're going to be called, the explanation of them earlier in this is maybe more expansive than what we've seen in general. And again, they're brought up here, again, from the, the GM's angle. I think they did a good job of that in the Octon Cthulhu GM's guide, and that seems to have carried over to this. You know, something I think is important, though, to note is... If this is a quote-unquote cinematic style game, whatever that's supposed to mean, if Modiphius' idea of cinematic role-playing is scene-based, that scenes are a big part of this, then that's not 
the traditional, okay, the adventuring day starts and it ends when it gets too late and we all start falling asleep at the table. Like the idea of these explicit breaks, per, perhaps with a time and space gap between them, the, the, the space between scenes, that is not the, the, the traditional approach. And so I think it's valuable that they take the time to explain, hey, that's, this is kind of what makes this, this game, this system, and the stories you'll tell through it different. And so I agree with you completely. Yeah, system reference, docu- reference document, you would expect just nuts and bolts. But they've done, us a, they've done us a greater service by providing these things and saying, look, this is why our nuts and bolts are a little bit different. There's a, I mean, it's almost three pages on risk, costs, and consequences. They go for this idea of a risk is something that might happen because of a skill test. A cost is something that must be paid or faced to get to an outcome. A consequence is what will happen because of an action. And then they go through in really good detail of different possibles for these risk costs. Like, this is an in. As far as no. I know, this isn't in any of the other things. This is really spelling out, you know, this is almost going in sort of play by the apocalypse thing where you have such vague rules, you need this stuff because you yep. need to say, what are you going to do to your players when they get things wrong? This is spelling it out in here. You know, this is, and this isn't in any of the other 2D20 things. Yeah, so if you have like, no, wow. in, if, you're, if you're a GM of any two die 20 game and you have zero interest in house rules and you have zero interest in modifying your own, you're making your own game or whatever, you owe it to yourself to go download chapter six of the SRD, which is 30 pages of GM advice because it is excellent. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing. This is, none of this stuff has any right to be here. (laughs) Because it's an SRD and it would kind of make me feel bad that like if I wanted to do my own like my own version of 2d20 i'm like well this is all really good stuff and it's in the sid so like again i don't know if we can cut and paste it but if i could cut and paste it there's a bit of me that says well i don't want to cut and paste this because this isn't my words this is this is i mean i'm assuming nathan's words and then like i'd be taking credit for some of it but i wouldn't well, have to change anything because this is all really good i think we'll see Crazy. i think we'll we'll see an explanation of you know what what has to be, you know, perhaps, I mean, I remember with the, with the D20, like the, you know, the, the original SRD from Watsi way back when there were explicit things that had to be included in yeah. the book. And maybe there's going to be some of that. And maybe there are some things that they say, he, these are optional. I'm just looking through some of this threat stuff there. There's this, again, you, you just said it, that even if you're not interested in house ruling, there's some really good stuff on it. Some of the stuff you said about what do you do if your players aren't getting threat or how much threat should you spend? How do you decide to do this? Yeah. You know, this is stuff that ideally would be in some of the other things, but I guess they haven't got space. And there's loads of it. There is page after page of really, really good advice on how to run this system. You know, I think, remember, this is a, this is a company that's pumped out a bunch of games, almost all of which are for existing IPs. They have a house system, but they don't just, use it again and again and again in the same way. Okay, credit to them. This clearly, this has got to be evidence of, again, I've said this before, of them having learned. Yeah. Like they themselves are continuing to evolve along with this system and the way they see it. And they're thinking, oh my gosh, this is, this is, you know, we, we needed to do this with the game. We decided to do this with the game for Star Trek. We decided to do this other thing with the system for Dune. And in doing that, in those two instances, we realized something about its potential or other possibilities. I like that. And the fact that they're sharing it with us for free is uh, is even better. Yeah. 
and then there's a whole bunch. I mean, I'm just on the page before you're stripping all the way thing, where they go through. I mean, there's two pages of environmental effects and the rate of changes. Either there's cool stuff you can spend threat on, and then they give a thing on like how to actually break down. Like if you were trying to do a particular thing, so if you're doing a damaging effect which snares someone, how much threat that should cost? Because when it's, oh, I, do, oh I, I can spend three threat, threat. how much damage can I do with three threat? This literally spells out, all right, well, you know, three three challenge dies worth of damage is two threat cost. And then for every two more, you add a threat. And if that's going to also do, say, vicious and stun, it's going to cost this much. And then you, know, like, you can work it all out in advance. It's like, that's just, this is gold, pure gold, stripping it all away then. Um, yep. So this is where they go through and just take out what happens if you don't want to do, yeah, traits. Zones turns whatever yeah no turn order it's cool no action types no <laughs> which well, is you know in this i can see like where where did dune come from yeah yeah good point and bits of dishonored as well yep it's kind of like you know it's there it's literally them going yeah we don't have a sacred cow if you don't want to have this get rid of it we don't care and here's Do what it. we and and here's what we think could be the the effect of that yeah again and then we get this, again, totally bonus, weird, shouldn't be here thing because they've given us the rules of the system and a really cool GM system. And now they've gone, hey, you know what? If you want to do some other weird stuff, we're going to help you out with that. So they give us rules for, for magic and supernatural powers. 29 um, pages, additional yeah. rules. And so there's a whole bunch of, diff and again, different ways of doing magic because obviously we've seen magic in, we've yet to see a really spot on we haven't seen a really massive D&D fantasy magic no that's what everyone wants we haven't seen it we've seen like a weird way of doing stuff in uh what's the first mutant chronicles and we've seen a mostly mostly ritualistic sorcery based like don't do that pc shouldn't do magic because it kills them kind of thing in conan which really is like bad guys get magic and good guys don't yeah and then we've seen magic in uh acting cthulhu but it's it's quite simple and mostly you know there's, there's not a lot of spells we could we could do with like a whole book more spells so we, we do not get a lot of spells in this but we do get stuff for you know different ways of doing it we get like the magic points mana stress because the alternative the cost. world yeah what, what i like Miscast. is they present they present a magic system that's essentially acting cthulhu they present rules for uh spells that you would use in combat and it's, I mean, if you're familiar with the magic system in Octoon Cthulhu, this is basically it. They provide uh, the system for rituals. Um, they also provide room for non-casters to cast or try to cast rituals, which I think makes sense. Like we have plenty of examples in movies and literature of like the, uh, the babe in the woods picks up the book and starts trying to read, you know, and cast the spell. Will it work? Who knows? Um, but then with that, as they have throughout, more options. And I... I don't see the, the the a fully fleshed out high magic more D and D style system is not here. However, I see enough of the building pieces that I think I could start to build a foundation for it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it to more think and like you know, for example, they give us some basic spells. They give us an arcane blast, which has uh, you know like a difficulty and it has a cost and it has what it does and it has all these momentum spends. But I wouldn't mind the kind of well, what if I want something that always does knock back? And does less damage would that would that be the same cost or would it cost less or you know what do i need to do to have a spell that only costs difficulty one but again that's this shouldn't even be here so the yeah. fact they've given us anything it's although i think the answer to your question and it's it's not a simple question it's not a simple answer but the the 
where you would turn for the answer to that question is what Nathan said to us when we talked to him. It's like, what are the characters going to do? And and what are they and and taking that a, a step further, what are they going to do that fits in that setting? And if you can answer yeah. those questions, I think you would start to figure out like, well, how how hard is it going to be to cast spells? Uh, how how often can a character cast spells? How many spells are out there? Um, and like I said, I it, it it's you're right. It shouldn't be here. Not that it shouldn't be here, but it, this is definitely bonus material. Yeah. But there's enough to get started. I think there's enough to get started. I, uh, I do know that as they have, you know, added more things for, um, you know, they have, you know, the Book of Skelos, which has a whole bunch of more magic in it for Conan. Uh, I believe there's more magic stuff in some of the Mutant Chronicles books. Yeah, for those, uh, for that, not very familiar with it. I know that as they have expanded Octun Cthulhu more, they've added more spells, more magical, more artifacts. They've added more rituals and more spell books and things like that. So if you're looking for source material to either reskin or to use as inspiration to figure out, like, well, what do I do with, how do I want to adjust the numbers if I increase this? How, should I decrease something else? They are continuing to put out more examples. So then where we near the end of this, we get some kind of weird stuff because there's a whole section on this corruption and creep in darkness, which is purely from it's from Mutant Chronicles, because Mutant Chronicles has this whole thing that like the the whatever the bad stuff is, because I literally can't remember. Um it's like dark we'll symmetry or something. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. that's it. Um, because that's corrupting technology and will corrupt people. And so they have all of that in here. And it's like, wow, this is like super niche, but it's in there. So if you wanted a system where people could get corrupted by things, well, I mean, if you, you, you could, uh, you've got corrupting technology, you've got corrupting locations, you could have a corrupting one ring if you want to, or <laughs> you could have a, you know, maybe there's a place, you know, if you wanted to make a horror game and there's some place that just, you know, like it's not the, it's not the girl, Peter, it's the building, <laughs> right? Uh, and then they finish off with the hacking rules, which are they're a simplified version of what is in Infinity, because Infinity yep. was not well explained at points and was very confusing. And this this simplifies it down. Um, you know, there's a lot less there's a lot less software, there's a lot less different things you can do for the hacking. How they explain how the hacking, the works and networks is is easier. Um, but even then, they give us you know a huge bunch of stuff on it. And then at the end, they throw us something really weird because I don't think we've seen this anywhere. They throw us rules for a threat deck. Yeah. Which I probably got to this and went, sorry, what now? And it's literally, like it says, the threat deck is a deck of playing cards. Each card has a specific problem, obstacle, or danger listed in it. Now, I know some of the earlier ones did have like decks of stuff, but there was not, I didn't, I don't know if there was rules in them. I think they were just, you know, you had stuff. So there's a whole thing here about know. having a threat deck and drawing from the deck and, having cards and things which is like huh. yeah that's that's a page it's not even a full page and a half it's like one of the third pages at the very end it's like steve jobs pulling something out of his pocket as he's walking off stage and just waving it at you like i think that was a phone i'm not sure it's so bizarre yeah it's funny at the same time i kind of this kind of, I, I don't sometime in the last week i'd read i don't know if it was an article or just a post on like reddit or somewhere where Someone was trying to sort of talk about like Savage Worlds amazing. I love Savage Worlds. And someone else was saying, look, the problem is it was kind of, yeah, I think it, then it, it sparked, it jumped to my head because I've just listened to our top 
not it was wasn't top 50 our top five and our bottom five games and i think savage world may have been in your bottom five but it your was. main issue was was and it, you had it a couple of things that you don't like universal generic systems because your feeling is is they cannot work they can't do everything and there was someone who was saying the same thing as you the sense saying yeah the trouble with a system that proclaims to be able to play every setting is it will invariably do some things very well and other things it just won't do that well and always a setting designed for that purpose will do it better and supers is a good example you know a design a super a setting designed for playing supers will definitely play supers better than a generic system yeah. that can do everything and same with you know fantasy or horror or something but the person put in the what we have now more in more modern game design because savage worlds is 20 years old um, you know, GURPS is older and so on, is in more modern game design, we don't have people doing really generic set. We have things like this. We have 2D20, where every time they release a new 2D20, they adapt it. Some, you know, the core mechanic stays the same, but they adapt everything around that to fit the setting. And, you know, Cortex Prime now is designed around the same idea that you, you, you adapt to do that. And that's what we can do with this SRD, is we can take the basic core rules of 2D20, which we think are very good, and we can use them differently based on what we are wanting to do, um, which is great because it is that kind of thing. You know, there are certain properties. I mean, the person was using the example that, look, if you want to play Star Trek, you, you get Star Trek. There's a Star Trek game. Use the Star Trek. If you want to play Star Wars, okay, you can make it in another setting, but there is a perfectly good Star Wars game. But there are these, and we've talked about this, there are those settings out there that do not have a game for them. So if you want to play in that setting, you have to you know, use your own thing. And some of these things like Savage Worlds might work for certain things. If you want to just do a, a straight up action film, yeah, grab Savage Worlds. It will do an action film, very, you know, zero effort. You don't need to do a lot of work. You can just do it straight out of the book. But there'll be other settings out there which, you know, do need a bit more work to be able to create a thing. And this is what this SRD would let you yeah. do. You know, you can adapt the basic rules of 2D20 to run other stuff. What is your biggest, uh, what's your biggest, maybe call it surprise? Maybe not necessarily your biggest takeaway, but your biggest surprise or like, oh, huh, that you take away from from reading this. I think that GM section, just because it's it's an SRD, I wasn't really expecting one. If there was anything in a sort of a GM section, I would expect some threat spends and that would be it. Because an SRD for me should just be, here's the rules. Here, yeah. here are the different rules and here's how you can, and maybe oh, here's crunch. how you can use them. But that this is sort of a 30-page thing of not just how... You know, it's, it's an actually a combination of it has some general good GMing advice, and then it has really good advice on how to do run 2D20 games, probably better than any of the other 2D20 games I've seen. Yep. Which is, you know, so then it becomes, well, this isn't just the SRD. This is like, it's almost like the Bible. This is like your Bible of, of 2D20-ness. If, you if you're thinking like, well, I'm not sure how something maybe well, how I can tweak something, the answer is probably in here, more so than maybe going to, you know, guys, but like if I was running Conan and wasn't sure about how reach and guard work, I'd probably just read what it says in here yeah. than what it says in Conan, because this will be better explained. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll add to that. And I'll say that, yeah, my, same actually the, that GM section. And like I said before, if you have no intention of building your own stuff or house ruling anything, read that GM section. It's excellent. Um, for all those extra little bits and pieces, like explanations of say reach and guard, you're going to have to dig through the book, obviously, but recognize that there are the the explanations of how to use the the core and its different call them like primary manifestations or primary parts like momentum and threat and, and fortune or determination the explanations of those 
is better here than in most of the games. And not that necessarily that it's bad in the other games. It's just way more concise yeah. here. So if you want to spend half a page and you're like, oh, I get threat a lot better than I used to, it's a half a page. Yeah. So that's that's my thing. Read the GM section and maybe scan over the chapters that include information or about areas that you still have questions about the system. And that's all I've got. I'm very happy with it. Yeah, I think it's great. It's, you know, it's, it's literally, you you can't, the one thing you can't do is you can't just run the game from this. You've got the same thing as you've got in Cortex Prime, where if you want to run a game doing this, you've got to like almost, you need, you know, you need like a separate document where you're going to cut and paste all the rules you're going to use. Yeah. Or you have a sheet with like a tick list of all of the, which rules you're going to use. Um, you know, you, you can't just use it as it is. The difference here is, is that this is an SRD and it's free. And Cortex Prime was like a very nice looking book, but uh, a product. book that actually is probably not as useful as this is. Um, I think it would be a lot easier to, because there is a, 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 there is a stock system. There is, here's the standard that we've presented you. And the fact that when I downloaded this again, it, it was, it was eight separate Word documents. So if you wanted to copy and paste out of it and you create your own rules, and then add to it, they've actually made it easier on you. Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe that's why it's a Word document, because be. it, they, they're expecting people to use this in making their own stuff. And obviously, yeah. cutting and pasting from PDFs has problems, whereas this is Word. Yep. Oh, so there you, you go. just put easy, it in there easy. and format it how you want. So, yeah. So um, now, I'm, I'm looking forward to the information about the creation laws requirement, not laws, but like rules requirements, whatever. Uh, th that's what I'm looking forward to next is the next step for this. What about you? Or do you think you want to put this to use? No, no. Something? I mean, I think, yeah, I, I, think I need to think about what I want to start writing about. But one of the things that different this well, so like, you know, I've, I've written stuff for, for Cortex before it became Prime. And I wrote stuff, I've written a bunch of stuff for, for DMs Guild. And in those cases, it was like I wasn't, I was writing my own stuff and using other things as reference. Whereas this is almost like, you know, you could drop your like, I'm going to do a, a, a Mecha 2D20 game. Yep. Right. Well, all of the stuff about the Mecha is going to be mine, but everything else is going to be from this. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that does open up a can of worms there is like, if you were sort of, you know, if there was a basic, if, if this was Genesis, Genesis is like, here's all the rules. And then you go, here's how my version works. And you just release the extra stuff. You, you can't do that. And here's, you would have to put all of the bits out of this into mm -hmm. your rules. You would have this weird thing of sort of 50 pages of stuff, which people already have access to, but this is how you want it to work. And then a bunch of work of your own. And you can kind of go, right, I'm dropping a 70 page document, but you really only did sort of, it was sort of 50 pages of reformatting and 20 pages of actual work. So that's a slightly weird one. Actually, I could take Cortex Prime and drop a 20-page document, which is all written by me with a few bits out of the book and go, I said you can't at the moment because they haven't released their license. <laughs> Same as this. Yeah. Um, and go, right, there, there we'll it is. Whereas for this, there's an awful lot of work you have to put in to sort of like make it look nice maybe, but at least it's in words. So Yeah, um, no, I, I think they've, they have they have laid the groundwork to wait for this follow-on set of, of instructions and requirements. Uh, and the, the, then the means, the web-based means by which these products will be, you know, 
distributed or made available, but they've laid the groundwork for it. So I'm I'm yeah. I'm very happy. I'm very. I, very I mean, happy. just like super impressed. There's so much more in here than I was expecting there to be. Yep. Um, if anything, maybe in terms of like trying to create your own thing from this, they've maybe like I mean, from like a literally from a formatting point of view, they've given you so much to do that it's like, oh, do I write it from scratch or do I copy from here? But it's a good problem to have. I would just, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I guess we'll, we'll see what they require, but I'm, like I said, I'm, 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 I'm really happy with it. And I, I like, I like what they've, what they put out there. So yeah, I'm looking I'm forward to putting impressed. it to use. And if you're still listening, thanks for sticking with us. I think this is our longest episode, but uh, they gave us a lot to talk about. And in next week's episode, we're going to talk about the idea of balance in character creation and encounter design. Thanks as always for listening. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.